Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, welcome to Active Church, everyone. My name is Mike. I serve as the lead pastor here at Active, and I'm so glad that you've made some time to be a part of the story that God is writing at Active Church. We are in week two of a series called In Our Messy World. And the premise is this, that our world is messy, and that there are a lot of voices that are trying to speak to how we can clean up the mess. And at Active Church, because we're Christians, because we're followers of Jesus, we believe that there is one voice that is the most powerful, that there is one voice that actually can take this mess that we're living in and turn it into an incredible message. And that voice is the voice of God. We started this conversation last week with this idea that if we are going to prioritize a voice in our lives, we should consider prioritizing the voice of God because God is speaking in our messy world. And last week, we read some words that Jesus shared with his first disciples that we get to read now as the future readers. And he actually pitched them why we should prioritize the voice of God. He called God the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And if you missed any of that conversation, you can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you can check out our services on YouTube on demand at any time. But we ended with a really great challenge, a way that you can evaluate if you're listening to the voice of God or if you're listening to another voice, a way that you can evaluate if you're prioritizing the voice of God or you're prioritizing another voice. We invited you to pay attention to three things. First, Pay attention to your response to others. If you're listening to the voice of God, then you are going to filter your responses to others through this question. What does love require of me? If you're listening to other voices, if they have priority in your story, then you're gonna filter your responses through this question. What are they required to do for me? So pay attention to your response to others. Second thing, pay attention to your sense of entitlement. When you are prioritizing the voice of God, you're recognizing that you've been given grace by God to live life. And when God is leading you, you will give that grace to others. But if another voice is the priority in your story and is leading your story, then you will withhold that grace. So pay attention to your sense of entitlement. 
And then third, pay attention to your imaginary conversations. You know, the conversations that you have in your heart, in your head, the conversations that you are preparing for because you want to win. When you are allowing God to lead you, when his voice has priority in your story, then you will filter every moment, every conversation with this question. What am I doing to be right with them? But if God's voice isn't leading you and another voice is the priority in your story, then you're gonna ask this question. What am I doing to be right at them? If it's a voice of God, you wanna be right with them. If it's another voice, you wanna be right at them. And it's, it's important for us to have a posture of being right with one another because we wanna prioritize the relationship because that's what God has done for us. So pay attention to your response to others. Pay attention to your sense of entitlement and pay attention to your imaginary conversations. That's how we left things last week. And that's where we wanna pick up things today because we wanna talk about how God speaks to us because God is speaking in our messy world and we want his voice to be the loudest and the strongest because when we allow that to happen, we discover that God is using everyday things, everyday moments, everyday items, and everyday people to speak to us. And so today, I wanna to talk to you about one of the most important ways that God is communicating his love and his story and his purpose in you and through you. One of the ways that God is speaking in our messy world. God chooses to speak through what we call the Bible the scriptures, the pages and documents and letters that we teach and preach from each and every weekend here at Active Church. Now, in order to get started, I wanna start with this thought, that most people know stories about the Bible. They know some stories that are in the Bible, like David and Goliath, like Noah and the Ark, like Moses and the Red Sea, even the Easter story and the Christmas story. Most people know some Bible stories, but most people don't know the story of the Bible. And understanding how we got the Bible is almost as important as to what is written in the Bible because it will help us know how to hear the voice of God through the Bible. So a couple thoughts about the Bible. First, Jesus didn't write the Bible. He didn't physically put pen to paper and write the Bible. He influenced it. He shaped it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. But Jesus didn't physically write the Bible. But Jesus is the reason why we have the Bible. Because the story of the Bible and why we have it begins after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The reason people decided to document the story of Jesus was not because of his teachings, although they were great, was not because of the things that he taught or the words that he shared, although they were great. The reason that people documented the story of Jesus was because of the resurrection was because he was dead and then three days later he rose from the grave. And here's the fascinating thing about Jesus. He predicted his death and his resurrection and then he actually did it. And if anybody predicts their death and their resurrection and then actually does it, you and I should pay close attention to who they are and what they say. Jesus 
Because he resurrected, he interacted with over 500 people. And these people that lived in that area where Jesus was crucified and where Jesus' tomb was and was found empty, these people affirmed that they saw him resurrected from the dead. In fact, people shared this story in that city where everybody saw Jesus die and everybody knew that he was buried in a tomb. One of the letters called the Gospels in the New Testament is called Mark. Mark was written by a real person named John Mark, who followed Jesus. He knew Peter, who was one of the closest friends of Jesus. And his letter, many theologians believe, his letter was written just two to three years after the resurrection of Jesus. And there's a lot of indicators in this letter that show us that it was written around that time. Here's one of those indicators. Mark never mentions the high priest's name. The high priest that put Jesus on trial because they called him a blasphemer. They said that he isn't God, even though he claimed to be God. That high priest is not named in the letter of Mark. And you might think, well, why is that a big deal? Well, the high priest in Jewish custom would rotate his position every five to six years. And so Mark, not mentioning his name, many assume, many theologians believe it was because he wrote this letter during the time that the high priest who put Jesus on trial was still the high priest. Which means that this letter that claimed that Jesus is the Son of God, that died on the cross for the sins of the world and rose from the grave, it means that this letter is being circulated and the claims of this letter, if they were false, could be proven false because people were there and saw Jesus die. But it wasn't proven false because there were also people that were there that saw Jesus resurrect from the grave. Many people attempted to write down an orderly account of the life of Jesus, and four of them, I mentioned one, but four of them were found at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And here's what you need to know about those documents, those letters. They are not references to earlier documents. They were written by actual people who had actual interactions with the actual real Jesus. They wrote down their stories. They documented their moments with Jesus. And each of these letters, the gospels, because they're the good news of Jesus, each of these letters announce that Jesus is the son of God. And they even take it further. Each of these letters claim this, that if Jesus isn't the son of God, then he's a nobody. Centuries later, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said these words, that when you and I encounter Jesus, there are three postures we can hold. There are three beliefs that we can have about Jesus. He is either a liar because he isn't who he claimed to be. He's a lunatic because he thought he was God and wasn't, or he's Lord. And C.S. Lewis said, you get to decide I get to decide when we interact with Jesus who he is. Is he a liar? That he isn't who he claimed to be? Is he a lunatic? That he was just nuts and wasn't sure who he was? Or is he actually the Lord, the one he claimed to be? All he's doing, C.S. Lewis, all he's doing is affirming what these first writers believed and affirming that if Jesus isn't Lord, then you are wasting your time. But they believe that he was God. 
They believed he was the Messiah because they saw him dead on a cross. And then three days later, they interacted with him because he rose from the grave. Listen, these letters were written down, just so we're clear, not because Jesus had great things to say, although he did. These letters were written down and documented, and we have the Bible because Jesus did something great. He rose from the grave. And as soon as these letters were written and they began to be circulated, they were immediately seen as valuable and reliable and sacred and inspired. They were seen as scripture. And men and women who follow Jesus would risk their lives for these letters and documents because they held within them, they held the story of the Messiah, the Son of God. And John, John is somebody we talk about often around here. He was one of the closest friends and followers of Jesus. John writes four letters that are in the New Testament. One of those letters is the Gospel of John. And it's in this letter that he actually affirms why each person wrote what they wrote about Jesus. Why each person wrote what they wrote about God. Because this is so important. They wanted you to know why they took the time to tell you this story. And the reason why they needed you to know that is because it'll help us to hear the voice of God in our messy world. You can actually read it for yourself, what John wrote. If you have a Bible with you or the Bible app near you, turn to the Gospel of John, the letter of John, chapter 20, starting in verse 31. John writes these words down as the reason why we're writing this, as the reason why I want you to read this, as the reason why we felt it was so important to document the story of Jesus. John writes these words. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So just so we're clear, John says, the reason I'm writing this down and the reason why all of these men and women wrote this story down of God through the person and work of Jesus is so that you may believe in Jesus. And why should you believe in Jesus? Well, according to John, so that you may have real, true life that is only found in Jesus. Which means that this book, the Bible, the scriptures and all of the letters and documents that we find in the Bible were written and put together for one reason and one reason only. You ready? To help you meet Jesus and to learn to follow Jesus. To help you meet Jesus and to learn to follow Jesus. That's why these letters exist. That's why these documents were written. That's why the Bible was put together. To help you and to help me meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus, which means this, if the Bible is used for any other reason, it's not being used correctly. If the Bible is being used for any other reason than to help you meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus, then it's not being used correctly. And listen, I get it. I've been a Christian for 32 years. I came to know Jesus at eight years old. And I know the Bible can be intimidating. And one of the reasons why the Bible can be intimidating is because often it can be used as a weapon to condemn you and to condemn me. But that is because the Bible is being misused. Its goal, the reason why these men and women wrote down these stories is because they want to help you meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. And because, because of that, 
The Bible isn't a weapon anymore. The Bible is actually a word that God drops into your life to give you life. Have you ever had somebody drop a word on you? Maybe you got a text or a call or a direct message or somebody posted on your Facebook wall or reacted to your story and they gave you such a word that it challenged you, it overwhelmed you, it inspired you, it convicted you. You've read somebody drop a word on you? That happened to me this week, actually. My friend, Pastor Lee, who's a teacher here at Active Church, he FaceTimed me. And we were chatting about life and about church and about all sorts of things. And he said something to me that I didn't know I needed until he shared it. He shared something so powerful that was life-giving and encouraging and challenging and convicting. And I needed it in that moment. And he could tell, he could see it on my face because we were on FaceTime together. And then he said these words to me. He said, Michael, I don't know if you needed this or not, but I really felt like I needed to say this to you. And I said, Lee, it's like you dropped a good word in my soul to help me to be good. And that is what the Bible is for. It's a word that's dropped on you, that's dropped in you to breathe life into you. It's like oxygen in your lungs. You can breathe again. It's like adrenaline in your body. You have energy again. That's what the Bible does. That's what the Bible is for. It drops some good words into your good soul. Words like this, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Good words like Psalm 16.8, I have set the Lord directly before me because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Good words like 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Good words from the letter of Ephesians, where the first three chapters only speak about who you are because of the person and work of Jesus. There is no command. There is no to-do list. It's God through the author, Paul, telling you and me how God sees us as his children, as chosen, as blessed, as forgiven, as his who belong to him. And then chapter four comes and Paul writes these words, therefore live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. It's like he's saying, listen, you've been forgiven and rescued and redeemed and restored and renewed. Now act like it. Now live like it. That's a good word, that's an honest word, that's a word that gets dropped into your soul and it's honest and it's helpful and it's hopeful, it's convicting, it's challenging, it moves me, it encourages me, it calls me forward. Friends, this is what the Bible is for. It's a word, not a weapon. It doesn't crush you, it convicts you that better days are ahead and that those better days come when you trust and obey the person and the work and the words of Jesus. Now, by the way, 
There are going to be moments when you interact with the words of God in the pages and documents that we call the Bible that will confront you with the reality, some truth, that maybe perhaps there are moments in your life, there are behaviors in your life, there are postures in your life, there are words in your life that don't reflect the life that Jesus has invited you into. And when that happens, don't miss this. Look at me if you're watching this. Lean in if you're listening to this. And when that happens, when you are confronted with that, that is okay. It's not because God's disappointed in you, ashamed of you. It's because God always tells you the truth. And there's always a better story to be told. It doesn't mean when it's okay that you should ignore it. It means that you should allow it to wash over you and be aware of it. Because when you're aware of things that don't honor God, God invites you, as we just read, to confess it, to announce it, so that God, who is faithful and just, can forgive you and you can step into the story that he has created for you. There will be moments when you read the word of God as God speaks to you, that it'll confront you and challenge you. It'll convict you author and speaker and pastor Tim Keller says this about those moments. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Don't think that you have to agree with God or God will agree with you in every single moment. In fact, if you have an authentic relationship with Jesus, you will find that there will be moments of tension. You will find that there will be moments of pain. You will find that there will be moments of struggle where you'll discover that there is a better story to be told. The future is bright and it comes through your obedience to the good word that God has dropped in your soul. Because the Bible is filled with letters and documents that were written to help men and women like you and me meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. The Bible is not a weapon. The Bible is a good word that helps you to tell a better story. Now, if you're a Christian, you're probably listening to this or you're watching this and you might be thinking to yourself, wait a second, Mike, doesn't the Bible claim that it is like a weapon, like a sword? Isn't the Bible described as a sword in the Bible? Isn't that a weapon? And the answer to that is yes. So let's talk about that. You're, you're referencing something that's written in a letter called Hebrews. And so if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app, would you turn to Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12? The author tells us this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Sounds a bit weird, right? Maybe it's even intriguing to you. Here's the point. First, the author says that the word of God is actually greater or better than a sword. That the word of God is living and active. That it doesn't destroy or kill or eliminate. That's all a weapon. That's all a sword can actually do. But the word of God is sharper than that. That it actually gives life. It doesn't eliminate your life. It actually elevates your life. It's better than a sword because it does what it needs to do when it arrives. The word of God will accomplish what it needs to accomplish once it's spoken. One prophet in the Old Testament called Isaiah said that the word of God never returns to God void or without doing what it's supposed to do. Then the writer of Hebrews actually loses all the allegories and imagery and he just gets really practical and says, 
The Word of God judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. That these words have the ability to move your heart and renew your mind, which is, by the way, much better than a weapon. A weapon injures, a weapon eliminates, a weapon kills, and a weapon destroys. But the Word of God doesn't do that. The Word of God helps you to meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. Each word in the Bible will reflect the person of Jesus, who he is and what he's like. And each word in the Bible will remind you of the work of Jesus, who you are and who you're becoming. So if you wanna hear the voice of God in our messy world, if you wanna hear the voice of God in our messy world through the word of God, Here's how you can get started. Pay attention to your interpretation. Pay attention to your interpretation. Interpretation is the filter in which you receive the words and the actions of the people around you. Interpretation is the filter that you put on the word of God. You can have the potential to see the Word of God through your worldview, through your pain, through your struggle, through your experiences. And when you pay attention to your interpretation, what you're doing is you're not allowing your interpretation or your pain or your worldview to shape and influence God. You're allowing the Word of God to shape and influence you. And that's hard because we have all of these experiences. We have all these moments, we have all these interactions, we have all these stories, and God isn't inviting us to forget about it. God is just reminding us that he's greater than that. And what you're choosing to do when you pay attention to your interpretation is you're choosing to put aside the filter that you would put on all of your interactions and allow God to speak to you in a very clear way. And remember, here's why he's writing the Bible. Here's why he's speaking through the Bible, to help you meet Jesus, and to learn to follow Jesus. And often what we can do is we can use the Bible as a weapon against ourselves, which is why we use the Bible as a weapon against all of those around us. And so I just wanna talk about you for a moment. I wanna talk about how you see God speaking to you from the word of God. If each word doesn't point you to the person and work of Jesus, if each word doesn't allow you to take a step towards the person who is Jesus, then friends, it's not the word of God. If you feel condemned, if you feel ashamed, if you feel embarrassed, if you feel guilty, it's not the word of God. If you feel convicted, if you feel confronted, if you feel courageous, if you feel like you want to be more committed, friends, then it is the word of God, because that's what the word of God does in us and does through us. Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, actually addresses this idea and helps put to words what our interpretation should actually look like. He says, the goal of reading God's word should look like this. And he describes the spirit of God, the actions of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says these words in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Paul's point is this. If you want to understand how God is speaking to you through the word of God, here's how to hear his voice. His voice through the word of God will always direct you to be more 
loving, to be more joyful, to be more peaceful, to be more patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and to practice self-control. Loving because that's the best filter that we can have in every interaction. Joyful because that's the best posture in every season of life. Being joyful is not being happy. Happiness is determined by the circumstances around you. Being joyful is dictated by the God who is in you. Being more joyful is a great response to the word of God. Being more peaceful is the best way to be present in hard and heavy moments. Being patient is the best way to hold one another in relationship, knowing that relationship takes time. Being kind means that you're going to loan your strength instead of pointing out the weaknesses of those around you because that's what God does for you. This is Paul's interpretation, Paul's understanding of how you and I read the word of God. We filter it through what God wants to say to us and through us. And it always calls us forward to be more loving and joyful and faithful and gentle and to practice self-control, to be good in all of those areas. Listen, if your response to the voice of God through the word of God isn't a reflection of the spirit of God, Friends, then it's not the voice of God at all. I want to say that one more time. If your response to the voice of God through the word of God isn't a reflection of the spirit of God, then it's not the voice of God at all. The word of God is not a weapon. The word of God is a word. It's a word that God drops into our heart and into our minds and into our souls. This is why we have to pay attention to our interpretation. Pay attention to the filters that we use to influence how God is speaking to us. And remember, God doesn't want to be shaped by you. God wants to shape you because he loves you, because he created you, because he knows you. God is speaking in our messy world. And in this messy world, God uses the word of God, the Bible, to speak to our hearts and our souls to help us meet Jesus and to learn to follow Jesus, to invite us into the better story that he created for us. I wanna invite you to do something different this week. I wanna invite you to hear the voice of God through the word of God in our messy world. And you can do that together with your friends and family at Active Church. We can read wisdom from God, gain understanding from God, when we engage the story of God in the Bible. I wanna invite you to spend some time in a document called Proverbs this week. And we've got you set up. We've got it all planned out for you. All you need to do is text word to the number that you see on the screen. If you're listening to this, that number is 951-936-27. Twenty-seven. Text word to 951-936-27. And then starting tomorrow, each day, you'll be invited to engage the wisdom that's found in the letter in the document called Proverbs. And you're invited to hear the voice of God from the word of God in our messy world. Friends, let me pray for you. God, we know you're speaking. And we know that our world is messy. And we trust that your voice is the only voice that can take this mess 
and turn it into a message. And so today we begin to pay attention to our interpretation, that we would see the Word of God for what it is, a document that is to help us meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. God, we pray that our hearts would be ready to receive that, our minds would be open to know that, and that we would be the people that you have dreamed about, that reflect who God is to this world. May we tell a better story, and may that better story start today. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local to the Redlands or Ukaipa area, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Ukaipa and 10 a.m. in Redlands. See you next time.